Hello Survivors and welcome to Medpack L, a Dino Crisis podcast by Resident Evil fans for Resident Evil fans. This is First Aid Spray bonus episode 1 and in this edition we'll be returning to Capcom's prehistoric adventures with the very overlooked Dino Crisis 2. My name is Cyniac, you can just call me Cy and joining me on the panel this week, Raptors to the left of me, T-Rex to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. It's Firebutton Steve Valance. Hello. Regina to the left of me, Dylan to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. It's Serial Box 64, Jordan Sugru. Hello. The subject of this bonus episode, like all others, was voted on by our Patreon backers. Support the show now to not only keep us afloat, but also create new content, select what that content is, and hear it one month before everyone else. Tiers begin at just $1 a month. Check out patreon.com forward slash FA Spray Pod for the full breakdown. So, rolling right into things, there isn't going to be any news, there ain't going to be any fluff, let's just talk Dino Crisis. Uh, we talked about the first game on episode 10 of the main show, kind of like the first time we ventured outside of the Resident Evil spectrum even slightly, and with the the Patreon backer polls sort of going more in that direction, it seems very appropriate that we're starting off with Dino Crisis 2. I don't want to say wrapping it up because there's more games in the series. Uh, who knows if we'll get to them or not, but again, you, you guys will decide that. But this poll was insanely close, right down to the wire. It was a three-way tie, uh, but Dino Crisis 2 squeaked out in the end, so it seems appropriate that it wins out. So Dino Crisis 2 was released in the year 2000, September, September 13th in Japan, on the 29th in the US, and then following that in Europe on November 24th, released to decently high praise, and it was developed by Capcom Production Studio 4, which was the same team behind the original game, and they got work on it directly after the original's release. Um, Let's go around the room and um, give our first experiences, if we have them with this game. Personally speaking, this is the first time that I've played it. Um, I know at the end of the original Dino Crisis episode, we our sort of like main question was, what's our favourite entry? Uh, and, and mine was default to Dino Crisis 1, because it's the only one I've played. But both you guys here, you both picked Dino Crisis 2, so I'm very interested to hear sort of your experiences with it. Steve, did you play Dino Crisis 2 when it was brand new? Uh, sort of. I, I did get it when I'd already got a PS2, but it was like early PS2. You know, mm. late cycle PS1 game. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I just remember playing the living daylights out of it. It's there's no like nostalgic event other than that. It, it's uh, yeah, it's been one of those games that I will occasionally go back to. And it's I did a stream for the first aid spray Twitch recently, and it still still holds up, still a blast. Jordan, did you play Dino Crisis two uh, recently for the first time, or was it quite a while back? What's your experience with the game? It was actually right before we we recorded the podcast for Dino Crisis one. Right, so. yeah. I bought both of them off the, the PS Store at the, at the same time because um, on the PS3, I think they're available in North America on the PSN Store. So I was like, you know what? Let's get both. And uh, obviously after playing Dino Crisis 1, kind of, I thought, let's give it a go you know, for the, for the podcast and that. And I was just surprised by kind of how many differences there were. Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd still stand by it that it's, it's my favorite just because it's a slightly different build to what we expect from those types of games. Yes, absolutely. So I've got some like info here from the Dino Crisis fandom wiki. Um, so running contrary, oh, this is a direct quote, running contrary to the 
previous game in the series, producer Hiroyaki Kebayashi wanted Dino Crisis 2 to rely on arcade-style features, abandon item management, and give the player easy access to enemies so they can far outperform the dinosaur enemies so the user experience is more fun. In an interview with Prime Games, Kebayashi described the core theme of the gameplay as being the exhilaration of defeating a succession of dinosaurs, <laughs> which is a pretty good summation of everything. It is wildly different to the original Dino Crisis. Wildly, wildly different. And as I I told the story on that Dino Crisis episode about a friend of mine who is a bigger fan of the series than I, uh, and we put some time aside to play them. And uh, I was just blown away by his excitement for Dino Crisis 2. And now having finally played it myself for this episode, I can completely understand where that came from. So we should start with this absolute wild change in the gameplay. You've got all those things I just listed, there's no more item management, uh, there's no inventory sort of management of anything like that, it's a much quicker pace, uh, it's very arcadey, there's, it's very very different, it's about collecting combos and points and spending those points to get, uh, you know, a better gallery of weapons to blow up more dinosaurs. Very, I'd love to know more on why exactly that was selected, uh, but personally, big fan of it. Steve, how do you feel about the crazy change? I mean, it's a massive tone shift, isn't it? You mm. know, like Dino Crisis 1, you're looking at, what, about 10, 15 minutes, including cutscenes, before you see a first dinosaur proper in-game? That's true, yeah. And Dino Crisis 2 has it in that the opening three or four, and you've got a shotgun, and it's, um, yeah, no, I love it. I, I genuinely can appreciate this year. Like, I don't know what the word would be. Audacity of it to be <laughs> completely different, you know? You can snipe shot. You can snipe with a shotgun halfway across the level with you know the start. You know the starting weapon, and you're blitzing dinosaurs. You know there is no real depth to it. There's no, I'd say there's not really the horror atmosphere at all. Mm. Uh, but I do love the you know the general arcade. I mean, the amount of times I'll be like cursing myself and you know swearing to the you know the gods when I get hit that one time as I go through a route just so I lose my no damage bonus and therefore I have a <laughs> load of points. Yeah. You get addicted to it, not to mention, you know, I mean, are we going to touch on the fact that the DNA of this game is going oh, yeah. to bleed into later parts of the franchise? Absolutely, yeah. Um, there's some of that there. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? Like you say, you just, they just drop you in this room with like three raptors straight away with a shotgun that has like 60 ammunition in it. I actually, yeah. I had to take note of this part in that um article on the Dino Crisis fandom wiki it was a review from Game Revolution at the time um, and they said that the arcade like gameplay detracts from the survival horror theme and I would argue there is no survival horror theme to detract from there, this is yeah. not a survival <laughs> horror game at all like this is and you're right it's incredibly I guess brave just to be like nope we're going to do something completely different oh, oh you liked Dino Crisis the, the Resident Evil with Dinosaur game Nah, we're not interested in doing that again. Let's just make a, a crazy action game with dinosaurs. Uh, Jordan, sum up this gameplay as you can, and then we'll we'll break it down piece by piece. Yeah, well, I mean, as you say, it, it's nothing to do with survival horror. It kind of feels like a bit like Smash TV more than anything. You're mm. kind of clearing out rooms and moving on, clearing out rooms, moving on. There are some elements, obviously, that are very much still Resident Evil, and we will get into that. But other, other than that, the the impression and the intention is clear to kind of, from the beginning, show you, yes, this kind of plays similar to what you expect, but it is very different in terms of its execution. I think the timing of its release 
It's kind of important because it came out in 2000. It's not to say that, you know, it was a well-trodden road um, with those types of games at that point, Mm -hmm. but there'd been a lot of them in the last couple of years prior to that. And I think this was Capcom actually, you know, testing the waters of how they could change it. Um, and I think, I think it came off really well. That is really fair actually, because by this point, Resident Evil 1, 2, uh, Resident Evil 3 was just about out. Um, Code Veronica and Zero were being developed as well to be released sometime down the line and Dino Crisis. Those were all very similar games, all from Capcom. Um, so whilst it whilst the original Dino Crisis kind of tried to toy with that formula a little bit, it's fair to say it's just Resident Evil with dinosaurs to a certain extent. This for me is really like, okay, we have another franchise here. We should do something different. Let's try and find its own identity. Smash TV is a good shout. Like Tino, it always reminded me of Time Crisis for some reason, like in that arcadey sense. Um, yeah, just. Who'd have thought, like, if you play the original Dino Crisis, the second game was going to be about not getting touched so you can rack up that multiplier multiplier of your points. Uh, bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. So, yeah, points. Extinction points, which gave me a lull the first time I read that it was called that. Um, that's Is that arcadey to everyone else? Because I... I mean, the actual gameplay of blasting dinosaurs really quickly, very arcadey, moving from room to room. The actual shot part is probably as slow as the game gets, and even then, it's not really slow in the same way that Ahori is. Um, that makes it feel more home console-y. How do we feel about exchanging points for weapons? Jordan, jump back in. Well, I think, it, obviously, it's it's still relatively straightforward. It's, it's, sim- mm-hmm. it's simplifying it. Um, the whole idea that you've got you know hubs to kind of go to um, in order to buy your weapons and your ammo and stuff like that, Again, it's it's just about making sure that you can get back into the action as soon as possible. Right. I mean, it it certainly didn't seem out of place. Like it's it's weird because my expectations of the game went out the window quite quickly. It, it's <laughs> like as soon as I was kind of on board with, oh, okay, this is arcade style. I was more than willing to accept everything that kind of came along with it, and. Um, yeah, I mean, it made it made sense. It made sense, and it, it, it kind of it also puts more emphasis and importance on the scores that you get. Obviously, it's constantly reminding you what score, what combo you have going from each room, and um, so yeah, it all it all ties together very well. That's that's fair, actually. Yeah, you're you're very right in the sense that it it pretty much says everything you knew about Dino Crisis, forget it, and you're very open to just seeing what happens and then you come across that first uh that sort of shop point the little computer system and you it's like oh okay this is interesting and there's a whole lot of different selections there um talked about the shotgun with a ridiculous amount of ammo where you can buy you know magazine extensions for absolutely everything it just gets absurd um this is where you charge your ammunition up which i thought was a really cool little feature as well there's no pickup of um ammo and stuff like that you instead buy your ammunition um, and yeah, various bits like that. There's little um, items and sub weapons and stuff. How do you feel about the Steve? Uh, how do you feel about the Steve? How do you feel about the shop, Steve? Well, I'm pretty keen on the Steve. Um, <laughs> so, I it's this recent replay. It's just done it for me that I really wish there was a bit crushed sample of. Ha 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 ha. Thank you. And like, yeah, what are you doing, stranger? It just feels like RE4 before RE4. Right there, it is. Yeah. Someone had to say it, right? No, no, you know, it's fair. 
you know, because you're killing dinosaurs, Pesated, sorry, extinction points, and then, you know, <laughs> build up massive combos. The only thing it's missing is the odd little bit of treasure hunting. You can even upgrade and modify your weapons, and I love it. I, I just like, you know, there's, there's some things about the game that do genuinely rub me the wrong way, but overall, the, the general loop of, you know, kill dinosaurs in egregious fashions, build up a massive no-damage combo, and get counter-attack bonuses, and then dump it all at the sadly not-voiced like, you know, <laughs> external commissar machine thing. And then, I'll, I'll, yeah, my shotgun could do with another 200 rounds in it and a bigger clip of another 200 rounds. <laughs> While we're at it, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll buy this weird laser gun that's like a ball of point-blank range death. Yeah, no, no I'm on board, Dino Crisis. Tell me more what you're selling. It's very on message with the first impression of the game because, you know, the re rest of the kind of like survival horror games, all the Resident Evils, they're disempowering. They're trying to kind mm. of limit how much you can do and, and ultimately force you to run. Run as much as you can, try and avoid people as possible, as much as possible. But this is completely different. It's empowering. There you go. Here's a shotgun. It's got, what did it start with, like 45 rounds or something like something that? Something crazy, yeah. It's, yeah. it's 200 on easy, 100 on normal, and 50 on hard. Play <laughs> me. I may have gone through it a lot. I may yeah. have gone through it a few times. Yeah, and, and, and even against Velociraptors, which, you know, as, as anybody who's fun to dinosaurs and Jurassic Park and stuff like that, they, they know you don't mess with Velociraptors, but you've got a shotgun, so you're not going to have any problems. So for, from the outset, it's like, look, we're all about making you powerful against these dinosaurs. And so, yeah, you start with a shotgun, but by the end of the game, you're going to have a, a decked arsenal. It, it's going to be quite crazy. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a consistent design, uh, mm. which, I, again, I just find so interesting that they decided to make this gear shift because it wasn't that long after Dino Crisis 1, um, and it didn't have to be that rapid a change, but it was. Yeah, I mean, this released... Just over a year after the original game. And if it's to be believed that the second game went into uh, production immediately after the first release, then yeah, they had around a year to put it together, which is pretty impressive. I mean, it's not perfect. We'll break down every little aspect. But uh, from an actual... In terms of an identity, it's I was really very rather impressed. Talking about the weapons and the, they've got the stupid electric thing. You, yeah, starting off with a shotgun. There's like two different kinds of rocket launcher in this game. You get an anti-tank launcher about halfway through. It's just nuts. And it absolutely doesn't care that it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, big fun. Um, in terms of the Resi 4 stuff, it's not just the shop. Just basic gameplay things like the difficulty in this much less than... Uh, some of the more survival horror stuff, is more about not being overwhelmed. That's where you could get really tripped up. If you're getting sort of uh, ganged up on by a bunch of dinosaurs, that's when you're going to struggle. And that's very true of Resident Evil 4 as well. The difficulty in that game comes from being swamped by enemies more than anything else. It's got that reactionary gameplay kind of... T the Twitch gameplay kind of thing <laughs> going on there. Um, and even, even so, I found this one particularly interesting... It has elements where characters were changed so that this game is less connected to the previous one. So for Resident Evil 4, it's been talked about that Ashley at one point in the story, they were talking about having Sherry Birkin in that role. Uh, apparently, Dino Crisis 2, the, is it Paula, the name of the sort of mute girl? Yeah. Um, at one point, she was going to be uh, Dr. Edward Kirk's daughter, apparently, from the original Dino Crisis. Which, and then they decided to sort of bend that off 
um, to kind of serve the time travel storyline, which we'll get to as well. So yeah, strangely, a lot of Resident Evil 4 in this game um, makes me very curious to see how the Dino Crisis series progresses. Perhaps we'll get to that. Um, so it's not just about the the standard gameplay. There's a lot more in this. There's there's plenty of mini games as well, which also something else that took me completely by surprise. Um, anyone the got any variety? Yes, Stephen. Any any standout mini games for you? Uh, well, I mean, I like the well, I like most of them to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, I think the the rail shooter bits, like for example, with the uh, the sniping to cover what's his name, the misogynist dude with the hat, and um, <laughs> on the, the hovercraft. That's what I want to say. I want to say hovercraft. That was so difficult to say. Uh, those bits, probably the bits that stick out to me the most. To me, yeah, they're there's the, pretty, pretty stellar. Then there's the follow up, sort of similar with the um, the triceratops as well, isn't there? Oh yes, that as well. <laughs> See, <I forgot> <laughs> <that> one. <laughs> Wonderful, just like great as well. Just a brilliant little idea having them sort of weave between the trees and stuff, so you don't know where they're coming out from. Yeah, very happy with that. Jordan, any particular sort of mini games and stuff that stand out for you? I was saying like the, the, the first person like shooting segments and mm. stuff. It's it's. <laughs> It's so strange because you kind of look at it and you you see like Resident Evil Four, Resident Evil Five, kind of like looking back in in reflection. Really, you know, this kind of idea of turret sequences and stuff like that. Yeah, that's like, true. It's like oh, there there's there was clearly these kind of ideas from the get go, and they were maybe a little um, too apprehensive about maybe bringing it into Resident Evil at that point. But hey, why don't we try it out in you know like the the sister series, Dino Crisis. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was pretty fun. And again, another very arcadey thing. Obviously, mm. it would go on to just be a regular kind of design feature later down the line. But at this point, still very arcadey. That's true. That's true. Slowing down the game, there's the uh, underwater section as well that mixes things up, um, gives you sort of like an exclusive weapon to use underwater. Obviously, the gameplay is going to vastly change because it's. Uh, I don't want to say there's platforming in it, but there's jumping and there's sort of exploring in a more of a vertical sense, more than just a horizontal sense um, as well. Um, that was kind of, that was pretty fun. It didn't go on too long, gladly, because uh, that would have really slowed things down, I felt like. Um, there's yeah. also, there's a section with the, the sort of flares as well, where you have to uh, shoot a flare up in the air and your partner character drops a whole bunch of explosives down. Again, just more gameplay, just to break it up. Uh, the one I absolutely hated, I mean, if you can count it, um, was in, I think it's the military facility, where you have to chase the tiny little compy dinosaur. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wasn't a fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's on my recent replay. I, I had a brief spark of memory went, I know I don't like this area. And then <laughs> when it happened, I immediately started just like cursing to myself and shutting all them down and hurting a little pain in the bum with a card it's not fun at all it's not fun and also uh, i mean i didn't really realize what i was doing i saw the cage that it's meant to go into and didn't think too much of it so i was just chasing it around room to room for a very long time and obviously being the style of the game that it has you've got these infinitely spawning enemies every time you move into a different well into every time you move into a different camera angle but uh, especially when you come back to a room so that got incredibly frustrating until i figured it out but that that was mostly my my stupid. I think that's the only. Is that the only thing that really constitutes a puzzle in this game? I'm trying to think if there's any more. There's the puzzling. keys. If you pick the wrong ones, maybe. Um, yeah, I suppose. 
Other than that, not really. Not particularly. I'd argue the boss fights are more of a puzzle than they are a boss fight, except for maybe if you count the Allosaurus with Regina. Yeah, yeah. The game is still in love with key cards, isn't it? <laughs> that's true, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's actually a good, like, um, sort of like part of the first act, isn't it? When you swap over characters for the first time, it literally comes down to need the right key cards. So definitely still Dino Crisis. At least there's no DDK codes or anything like that. There's no like <laughs> cipher puzzles to save Diddlers just get the right key, put it in the right socket. This is true. You know, I like simplicity like that. It makes things so much more simple. I mean... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's early, I'll forgive it. <laughs> um, I mean, there's, simply, it's, there's no need to overcomplicate this. Um, like, as, as the producer himself said, the core theme of the game is exhilaration via defeating successions of dinosaurs. Um, so anything that would bog it down too much, completely unnecessary. I found the pacing to be really interesting. I was uh, found the, fact, the game overall to be surprisingly addictive. Um, yeah, and as it says in my notes, really simple to play, but completely satisfying. I did struggle a little bit with the controls. Um, from a personal perspective, it was hard for me to shake off the resi control habits that I have. Um, moving and shooting just still doesn't feel right, even though it comes across from the original Dino Crisis. Um, I mean, you're sprinting on this one. It's not casual saunter. You're running with your shotgun firing. It's- yeah, it feels very strange when you're not yeah. used to doing that. Um, so I, I probably could have had more success if I'd utilised that more. Um, it, the game also has quick turn. Was quick turn in the original Dino Crisis? I, I don't recall. I can't. I don't. I don't think no. it was because I found it particularly strange that it's mapped to a shoulder button in this game. It's the 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 controls are probably the only bit that I I didn't enjoy just because the gameplay has changed, but um, the actual movement itself really right. hasn't. Yeah, and I was just I I couldn't help thinking that you know otherwise, you know, game's great. But you know, movement could be awkward, um, and if you were trying to get to like a particular door or something like that, that might be towards the edge of the screen. You end up going onto another screen, which you come back. You might respawn enemies. Right. Uh, you know, it can be it can be a bit tricky. But I did wonder: uh, would it have been possible to maybe pull this kind of control scheme off if you had if you were using dual analogs, as in, as in you know using right stick to kind of turn around and aim and stuff like that? as you move from room to room because in in that respect it would be more uh, you know like a top-down shooter like mm. like smash tv or something like that um and it, I, I can't help but feel that it could have been more streamlined and that was just something that they kind of overlooked because i don't know i guess at the time they were just really in love with tank controls um <laughs> despite the fact that they were changing a lot of other things about the game that made it much quicker. Mm. I wonder if it was just a, a reliance on them at this point, where it was just like, well, that's just that's just what's you know acceptable. That's yeah. what people are familiar with. Um, yeah. So again, if the game only had a year to create as well, um, you want to get those basics down and out of the way. And now, reading the file, Doctor's Papers, Time Shift from Dino Crisis Two, Yamada. You can follow on Twitter at underscore Yamada underscore zero underscore. Again, the day has come. January 14th. 
Well, this is the day when the third energy accident occurred and we were sent to this time. This is the tenth time this day has come, and every time I feel the same despair. The medical supplies from the bedroom were all used up for the very first year. Since then we've been collecting wild plants to make medicines without knowing their effect. Nevertheless, they have been used to heal the wounds of the soldiers, and all we could do was to wait for evacuation. Why haven't they come to rescue us? I thought about the question for the past ten years, and I've come to a conclusion. The time shift, or fold, is caused by the overdrive of third energy, but our current level of technology wasn't advanced enough to recover the accident. Years of technological research wouldn't be enough. A time error of 10 or 20 years is insignificant to a time slip of 65 million years, but that error, that time difference, could mean everything for us. We should never have laid our hands on a toy so dangerous. Speaking of basics, actually, um, really interesting, something that I didn't even occur to me till right at the end of the game. I think it was actually, ironically, during the Triceratops part. Something very different to the original Dino Crisis, which obviously we talked about the aesthetic of that game and how it's affected by the fact that it's 3D environments. Um, a lot of the time, whereas Dino Crisis 2 has gone the other way and opted for pre-rendered backgrounds. Um, Steve, how do you feel about the... Is it, is you, would you consider that going backwards at all, or just more a different style? I mean, with them wanting to like throw loads and loads of monsters at you, well, sorry, dinosaurs at you, I can see it now through the lens of probably engine limitations and that they, they can like control how much is going to be on screen by making the backgrounds pre-rendered so they can, you know, polys for models make better definition enemies as they throw hordes of them at you. Yeah. Uh, I would argue that they don't look as striking as, like, maybe Resi 3, or, I mean, even some parts of Resi 2 in places, mm. but they're okay. I mean, I, I, I do feel it's a somewhat of a, not a regression, but like a concession, you know? Yes, that's probably a fair way to put it. Jordan, how do you feel? Similar? Yeah, absolutely. I think Steve makes a great point that, that there's just not as much to do with those environments as you can do with, with Raccoon City, where you can you mm. can tell a story with each screen. Um, it's there. I, I Personally, I have no, no problem with the the pre-rendered backgrounds. I think they, they work well and they look good. I, they don't look as great on a HDTV these days, but still, <laughs> um, I, 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 I think it's... It was suitable for what they were going with and probably cut production down, production time down. Right. Uh, a whole. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'm perfectly happy with it. Um, one of the big falling points for me is I just thought the original Dino Crisis looked quite boring in places. Um, mm. the, the 3D backgrounds were a little bit basic for me. Um, and whilst, yeah, these pre-rendered backgrounds aren't really uber detailed, they're, they're, there's still a little bit more to it for me. And yes, Steve quite correctly pointed out, um, perhaps it's just to get more models and more detailed models on screen. In terms of the character models, obviously, um, as previously said, this is a game that kind of released near the end of the PlayStation 1's life cycle. So you are basically guaranteed some of the strongest uh, character models of this kind of gameplay, I thought. It was uh, particularly 
happy with enemies and character models. And a lot of the animations, in fact, um, are, are a bit more complex than what we've seen in cutscenes of this kind of game. Um, overall, the aesthetic of the game is pretty, pretty solid. Jordan, how do you feel about the overall look? Yeah, I think I think it works uh, well enough. I mean, with the dinosaurs themselves, you know, they are the stars and they look great. Mm. Animated great and, and, and well textured. Um, and what you know, while humans are still looking quite blocky in this generation of games, they just can't really escape that. Mm. Uh, the dinosaurs look fantastic. No, no wonder they were using them as tech demos for the PS One. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. They always, they always usually show off cars like on new hardware, you know, because it's 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 the best way to kind of show off your graphics and that. But you know, PS One, it's all about dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, show us your T Rex. <laughs> <laughs> I think I should bring it back. Bring back dinosaurs as tech demos. That should be a thing. That's way more impressive than a car, right? <laughs> We've got dinosaurs. <laughs> I mean, cars roar with their engines, but it's not quite the T Rex like Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's too early in the morning to scream, guys. You know what I'm saying. And don't get me wrong, I'm not like trying to, you know, string together this theory out of nowhere, but you know, Tomb Raider also had dinosaurs. I'm just saying, maybe that tech demo, you know, it it amplified the, the genre, you know, like amplified the PS1, Dinosaur Central. I don't know. <laughs> A lot of people, a lot of developers obviously booted up that demo disc and went, yeah, we'll, we'll do one of them. <laughs> you know, to Tomb Raider, Dino Christ, there are others, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's two examples. That's what do you want out of it? Exactly right. <laughs> Steve, how do you feel about the uh, the overall aesthetic then? Not, not just the pre-rendered backgrounds, but the character models as well. I, I like them. I, I feel like... I, this this is paradoxical because I'm pretty sure it's the same model, but I still think Regina stands out the best. Um, you know, Dylan as a player character is kind of like this weird blurriness. It might be just my HDTV. Um, mm. uh, dude in the hat, he he's okay. He's obnoxious to look at, but you know, <laughs> uh, as as previously stated, the dinosaurs are the star of the show. Like I loved it when you were going through a previously explored area normally, and there'd be a little vignette in the background or something. Mm. Without the raptors or the, the you know, the T-Rex or the Triceratops are just milling about doing their thing. There's no big battle. It's just, look at this awesome shot we framed. I'm like, yeah, you've seen Jurassic Park, haven't you? <laughs> um, and it, actually, for PS1 graphics, it's kind of nice. I wouldn't say it's like <gasps> breathtaking, but it's really, it's just cute, you know? Yeah. Um, and visually, you know, it's easily, the, the character models themselves are very, very well, like, for PS1 era, you can tell what they're going for. They look like they've been ripped out of Jurassic Park and just knocked down a few pegs. Mm -hmm. And that's that's great. You know, I, I can't complain. I think the only one is, I mean, right at the end, you get an, a close-up of the final boss and its teeth kind of look a bit rubbish. But otherwise, it's okay. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a very good point, what you're saying about sort of, like, the background... Um, action of like Triceratops milling around and there's sections where you're sort of going over like I think it's like a, it's kind of like a bridge or whatever and there's dinosaurs moving along behind you a lot of commotion going about in the jungle it just gives it a bit more life and to have the sort of um, is it I guess it's the T-Rex or something that's chasing you through the game that's been blinded in one eye um, and that's part of the character model every time you see it I thought that was really cool as well I I feel like that's a reference to one of the Jurassic Park films. Maybe I'm making that up. It's been a while. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, generally pretty solid looking game. Um, 
as to be expected from the end of a of a console's lifespan. It's kind of it's pushed. It's found the the boundaries of what that console can do. Um, and even at this point, with one year apparently of development time, um, they made a pretty good me. use out of it. What that it was made uh, in one year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared to Dino Crisis One, it's like a very well. We've already touched on it, but a massively different kind of game. Mm. Like, I mean, you, we haven't even touched on the the accessibility of not just the straightforward shotgunning and stuff. You know, you've got a one button melee button thing. We, we didn't see that until Revelations in the flipping main for it series of Resi. Yeah, you know, simple slice of life stuff, different sub weapons. Um, yeah, that's... it's definitely hard to imagine dev cycles from that time. Of course, it's strange, I mean, that's yeah. a lot to implement there. Yeah. Uh, obviously, sort of standards for how long you need in order to make a game, uh, you know, in the business changes uh, from year to year. Uh, but yeah, like a year to make any game can be tough. You know, I mean, I mean, around this time, Majora's Mask was being made within a year. Mm. Um, and obviously that was that was a story that a lot of people know as being very tough uh, project to do within that time frame. So obviously... Maybe maybe Dino Crisis Two is a little bit easier um, because it, it is restricted to just fixed angles and, and room clearing and stuff like that. But still, it is a crazy turnaround with development. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a really fair point. I mean, this is in in the in no way to knock it. Uh, infinitely more simple than Majora's Mask, your example there. Um, that being said. Majora's Mask uses a lot of reused assets, as most people will know from Ocarina of Time and stuff, and that's one reason why it was managed to uh, make that one-year deadline. I would love to hear more about the development of this game. As I say, I tried to look it up a little bit, and I didn't really come across too much in terms of interviews and stories from people working behind the scenes. I feel that's a real shame, because it's it's such an interesting little enigma of a game to suddenly uh, turn everything on its head like this, and... It it to me yeah it's it's one of these rare cases where it's it feels very different to the original game but it's still recognisably Dino Crisis it still looks like Dino Crisis enough to be like okay this is the second Dino Crisis but it's a completely different ball game. Um, Steve, you mentioned like sub weapons and all these little extra bits, but uh, quite rightfully we should probably cover as well. You've got the two characters as well, which means more of a spread of weapons as well, and they both have their own little. Um, yeah, I guess it's the sub-weapon that entitles them to get to certain areas in order to progress the story differently. Um, Regina has... It's like a stun gun kind of thing, which you can operate um, electric machinery with to sort of open doors and stuff. And Dylan gets a standard knife, which is for cutting down vines. And the game instantly introduces that aspect to you. Um, how do we feel about Dylan as a character? He's sort of more like the main character this time around. Strange choice to have Regina be a bit more like Maybe not the sidekick, but the secondary character. Steve, how do you feel about Dylan and the representation of him? Like, almost doing a resi in this game and being like, okay, here's Dino Crisis 2, so here's a brand new protagonist. He feels like cardboard Redfield. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't appreciate Dylan as a character because he has none. He's just, mm. rah, rah, I have a machete, look at cool to me. At least Regina's got snark, you know? Yeah, She knows fair. how to th- throw back some caustic wit. He's just like, uh, let's go do the mission then. Oh, uh, I need help. Oh, uh, hello, uh, friend. <laughs> let's go shoot some raptors now. You know, admittedly, it doesn't sound that monotonous, and he does get a big, <gasps> earth-shattering plot reveal at the end, but it's, he's kind of boring until then. I just yeah. Don't. He's That's serviceable. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> 
Jordan, Dylan, go. Yeah, he's just a he's just a military grunt. So mm. there's there's not a great there's not a great deal to him. The game did pull a bit of a Donkey Kong Country too, where it's like it, your main character from the first game is kind of shifted to a secondary role, mm. and you introduce a new one. I'm sure. I'm not having not played Dino Crisis three because I try and pretend it didn't exist. The next <laughs> one, Dino Crisis three, <laughs> will feature will feature will feature Dylan in the supporting role, and then there'll be a baby as the main character. You know, just like Donkey Kong Country three, it'll be perfect. Um, I mean, I, I, I will I will say this. Um, don't ask me too much about the story. I know there isn't that much anyway, mm-hmm. but I largely paid this game with with my own music playing. Uh, it's one of the. It was one of those games where it's just kind of like it was. More, it was more fun to just kind of play. Well, mm. as it is, arcadey. Um, so I, I didn't pick up all that much about the plot. You, you guys might have to carry me on this one. <laughs> well, that's a shame, man. The music is actually pretty stellar in this game. Yeah, while we're yeah, while we're there, go go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I say um, there's there's a few like low moments where it doesn't actually play any music and the action kind of feels a bit hollow for me. The music needs to be thumping and like you know, there's no atmospheric. I want to say keyboard tones from the original Dino Crisis because it felt very synthy in places. This is like first sequence, drum and bass, you know, the, the occasional raptor roar and you're like laying waste. It's always like some kind of like funky drum beat going on. Um, <laughs> even the boss music's like full of bombast. Like uh, I want to say they've got silly names like Dino Crispo and Anti-Satellite Attack. And they're all like... <laughs> Like, if, if Jurassic Park could get any more epic and actually at the same time, like somehow they took Jurassic Park soundtrack and Alien soundtrack, that's what this sounds like at times. With a bit of drum and bass. Yeah, there are some pieces in there that I thought were particularly good. Um, otherwise, unobtrusive but suitable. Just, yeah, solid overall. Not something that I would necessarily seek out, but there are a few pieces on there that I thought particularly strong. I thought it was funny that my favourite piece of music is a piece of music from the original game. Uh, when the you, theme. yeah, when you come across a save room theme for the first time, you get that sort of that that tingly, familiar feeling of safety. Um, in the same way you would when you walk into a save room in Resident Evil. Uh, I thought that was yeah, that was a wise choice. Nice little bit of nostalgia. Otherwise, uh, it's all completely original stuff, which I thought yeah was very good, very good selection in that in that sense. And say, Maybe I that was the the note on the design board. You know, when they were making this game, everything's got to change. But that save theme, that's staying. <laughs> that's a banger. That stays. Um, I'm pretty sure the soundtrack is on Spotify. And if I, oh, right. uh, by all means, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's a lounge jazz version of one of the battle themes as well. Like that's that's how bizarre and crazy this game can be. It's got a lounge jazz battle theme that's not in the main campaign at all. Lounge jazz is just so late nineties, isn't it? It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a just doing a double check to see if that it is on Spotify. Uh, um, so yeah, I guess go and check that out. That's what I'll be doing in a moment. Um, <laughs> so going back to characters, you're saying Regina's back. She's got the snark. I, unfortunately, I felt like that she didn't get enough time to show that snark off in this game with Dylan being sort of lead. But it was nice mm. to have Stephanie Morgenstern back as Regina. Um, those two and Paula, who is uh, kind of just there for the, the story sense, um, who's a bit of a mute. Uh, and then it's the, the guy that you've mentioned, Steve, the mis- Mr. Misogynist himself, David. <laughs> uh, that's the entire cast. 
he's 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 a piece of work, isn't he? I, I didn't really feel any sympathy for he for his death. He pretty much deserved. He probably deserved yeah, he, worse than he actually got. <laughs> he appears from nowhere, says, "Don't worry, Regina. Leave the men to it," and then gets eh. <laughs> Who cares? Well done for hitting that T-Rex with a rocket. You didn't even kill it. It was there for three quarters of the game. <laughs> Mr. Misogynist was my least favourite Mr. Men book, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one that nobody talks about anymore. <laughs> so let's right. let's get to the story then. Steve, you might have to just pull all the way on this one because I didn't oh. understand any of it. Honestly, I watched it with the audio of the game on. And I may as well have been in Jordan's situation just listening to something else because I didn't follow any of right. the time travel. So if you could explain the time travel in this game, that'd be great. I will try my best. Okay? <laughs> I, will, I, I can only promise to try. Having read the files and watched the opening FMV a few times, like about 20 times over the course of my life. Um, <laughs> right. So here's what I think happened. Okay. There is a horrible accident where they do their third energy dumb and they <laughs> travel to the future. The, the survivors that our heroes are looking for, right? They, they, they don't realize they've gone to the future. They think they've gone to like 6 million BC or whatever. Then our heroes follow them. I guess they've got like a, right, well, if we just go through this wormhole or something, we will go straight there in what apparently is one hovercraft with a time travel device that has about 200 dudes on it. Um, they all get wiped out. Then it's just down to Regina, Dylan, and David. Uh, you said David, sorry? Yeah, right? uh, yes, it's David, yeah. Yeah, to save the day. They uh, they fail miserably. All these people die. All the while, they're being attacked by these random motorcyclists from the future without motorcycles, but they have Tron disc launchers. <laughs> uh, basically, all, this continues for a little while as you go through these strangely ancient-looking facilities, and you find out you've been in the future all along because the future pick some dinosaurs up from the past to try and save them from extinction to save the human race for some reason. I am not sure why. And then Dylan gets stuck in the future after having just had a lecture from his future self with his new, newly found daughter, who's about his same age, Paula. Regina then goes in the time travel machine to promise to bring them back, and then that's it. That's the end. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the bit that you... Because some reason, that's the part that completely lost me, so I'm no none the wiser... I, I do like the reveal, the genuine reveal of that you've been in the future the entire time, but it's just complete nonsense. Otherwise. Oh, absolutely. And what's most interesting to, to about the whole thing is a, a, another quote here from the fandom wiki. Um, the story development was not set in stone, it should be noted. The ending cutscene was scripted to be longer uh, and feature Regina exiting the time gate in 2010. Um, the 2010 setting was removed. At one point, the character... So, yeah, so, the, so basically they... They'd done the cutscenes, I think, around and then filled the story in the middle, basically. Um, <laughs> which might explain which might explain kind of why it sort of jumps all over the place at the end there. Um, but in terms of a story, do you know what? In terms of the pacing of the story, I actually didn't mind that it was all just a bit of a mystery. There's plenty of files in this game. I was actually very happy with the files in this game. Um, it does the classic thing where they're all right at the end and you get a lot to read. And then all the stories at the end, and then the game's over. I actually like that pacing. You got the bulk of the gameplay, uh, then a few, you know, like ten minutes of story, and then you're at the final boss. I'm very happy with that, even if the story made absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, the files are all very bleak, aren't they? They I mean, are all very bleak. 
it normally boils down to we've been here for 10 years yeah. it's a bit rubbish also this last experiment is going to work out we promise and then it cuts dead yeah you, know, you can't help but feel for these people now i, I would have thought the only thing that confused me mostly about the story is why is there still people alive like apparently this, this people alive and then they all get rinsed at this one city moment when you're just two minutes away <laughs> from them, guys. You'll save them. Yeah. You know, Gameplay coincidence. They've lasted this long. They've lasted this long, and then David turns up. Look, what a surprise. It's David, obviously. <laughs> you know? <sighs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah. It's just... I would have liked to have seen, like, a proper panicked scene. Like, I mean, we get a little bit in the FMV, but, like, you know, people versus the dinosaurs, because how did they even lose? Dylan and Regina are, like, taking hundreds of them out with no problems with, like, machine guns and pistols. They should be able to handle maybe ten raptors. <laughs> yeah, but they've got the special Dino Crisis 2 guns. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, Regina isn't messing around. She starts with a Desert Eagle, so, yeah. That's, that's I mean, you've got, to try, you've got to try and imagine what, a, a, like, a shotgun with 200 rounds would really look like in real life. Um, it, <laughs> it doesn't look like that. But somehow they made it possible. Maybe the city dwellers were using Dinocratis one guns. You know, we have to use five or six shotgun shells per dinosaur. Maybe. <laughs> They're clearly right, using some kind of cheat mode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, talking about the files as well, just sort of a peek behind the curtain a little bit, is that obviously this being a, the first bonus episode, and we do file readings on the main show, and I was like, hmm, not quite sure how we're going to we deal with this. We'll, we'll figure it out. So I asked, you know, uh, listeners, did they want to hear file readings for Dino Crisis 2? This was before I played the game, because I knew there was files in it, I just didn't know what. And I'm glad that the general response was, yeah, you know, let's do it. Because uh, I was very happy with the files in this game. It's quite a lot, there was quite a lot of meat to it. I was pleasantly surprised. I had a good time reading it all um, as well. So, more of that, like, the game's very fast-paced in a way. Um, but it's got that, and it's got... And uh, Steve, I know you'll be a fan, because you were a fan of this in the original Dino Crisis. I was very happy with the environmental storytelling of it as well. Lots of, oh, yeah. Lots of cool stuff in the background to look at, especially in the sort of, like, facility areas. I mean, when you break down the fa- the big plot reveal at the end, like, you've been in the future and all this, lot, and it's been 10 years for these people, but thousands of years, or God knows whatever, and, like, mm. you know, there's, there's skeletons, and, like, where's the skeletons? It should just be rotten or whatever. And then you look yeah. at the whole thing falling apart. I love the, for example, the underwater section where there's just the odd body stuffed in a corner where they could really just gave up and stuff. <laughs> but, um, I just want to touch back on the files. We loved, I mean, was anyone else keen on the dinosaur files? I loved how they were written from like analytical perspectives of the survivors trying to understand them. Mm. It you made know, that, sense. That, that, yeah. Mm. It was a little like, bit like, Oh, here's a boss coming up. This is how you beat it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they were... We have never seen this one. We have no idea how to... <laughs> yeah. That was the best. Where it was like, uh, everyone who has encountered it has died. Ergo, it might not actually exist. <laughs> they died! <laughs> <laughs> so, what? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Uh, but they were, were entirely missable as well, to be fair, though. So, yeah, uh, I just like that aspect. Right in the way. But there are a lot that are in the way. The reason is, if you get them all, you get infinite ammo. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. First then. Easter egg hunt, I think I ever did. Like you know, you got your hidden packages and whatever in your Grand Theft Auto games. Probably the first one I ever did. <laughs> I guess there can't be that many, right? It's not a terrible it's amount of enemies. No, it's it's thirteen or twelve. Yeah, it's not a lot. 
And the game itself is uh, under five hours long, so it's really not going to take that long to get through um, yeah, just to pick up some files. It is, it is, but what we were saying before about just how much it switches things up, that's an impressive amount of variety for what is a short game. Um, personally speaking, as someone who is insanely busy all the time, I was very happy with the fact that I could play this in five hours and be like, that was a good experience and put it down. Did you guys feel like it should have been longer, though? Jordan? Uh, no, no, I think um, I think it was perfectly well suited to that kind of runtime you know there there wasn't too much of a sort of backtracking um and yeah you're just going from room to room there, there there's nothing aside from like you know the boss battles you're never spending too much time in any place mm. um you're always moving so i i would even say i would even go out and say that you know if they if they had followed this up with a with a with a Dino Crisis three, if one was to ever exist, you know. <laughs> um, and and they, and they followed this kind of trend, I could easily see them trimming even more fat off the game, if you can believe it. Um, mm. They could have went in a much more arcadey direction. I understand around that time that was definitely not the way that games were going, um, and they were actually going to you know try and become longer kind of campaigns, but. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought it was. I thought it was well suited, and there was all the potential there to make it even faster um, and even leaner. Yeah, that's fair, Steve. How do you feel about the game length? I, I think it's it's reasonable for the amount of variety you get. You know, the, the, there is a lot here. I, this is going to sound like a horrible insult, and I am sorry, listener, especially if you are not keen on these kind of games. Even I'm not that keen on these kind of games, but they remind me of the kind of length of duration and variety of something like a Call of Duty now. Mm. You know, where there's like your main gameplay sequences and then it's like your turret section, your, your gimmick section and so on. Whereas this is it's obviously infinitely better because it's fixed camera angles and dinosaurs. You know, you can't beat it. And it's just surprising. I mean, uh, you haven't played the Death May Cry games yet, have you, Sai? I have not. All right. They're normally, compa- they're normally compartmentalized into like missions. Right. Um, where, you know, it will like there'd be an interval in between each thing where it'll throw like a scoreboard up. That's the only thing Dino Crisis 2 is missing to separate that's mechanically how the story progresses because it normally will flash up briefly, mission, go find Dylan, he's locked in a cupboard. Or, yeah. um, you know, all we needed was a scoreboard in between that and it's pretty much like a precursor to Devil May Cry as well. It's surprisingly pretty quick. It's, it's you know, you could do it in chunks. All it needs is probably the odd save point thrown about a bit more frequently. Yeah, It's perfect. Yeah, In terms of pacing for me anyway. I was very Not happy perfect with it. as a game. <laughs> it, it's funny that you mentioned about like Devil May Cry and, and the scores as well, because when you would go from uh, you know room to room and you would get the score summary, especially if you just got a combo, it uh, I felt like that was a very kind of platinum thing, um, which obviously originated mm. with things like Devil May Cry, um, you know where there is that emphasis on the score, which is obviously yeah. completely different from you know a traditional survival horror game, and you know it immediately tells you that yeah this is this is laid out completely different it's it's just it's a very interesting time when this this game came out because i really feel like it kind of hit a you know a midpoint of all kinds of creative endeavors with with capcom because you know in the generation to come they'd be starting pursuing things like monster hunter and devil may cry and stuff and i'm not saying that there's necessarily things in dino crisis 2 that directly impact those but there's that flavor already of the yeah. of those types of things mm. I mean, it feels like a melting pot of all their future ideas, right? Or is it just 
Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, you know, I don't know how close knit um, Capcom is, you know, with regards to all of the studios and where exactly they derive their ideas from. But just throwing it out there, if you've got like uh, games like Dino Crisis One and Two, where you've got a very successful implementation of you know large dinosaur enemies uh, that you're you're fighting. You might look at that and say down the line, you know what, let's make a whole game based around locating and fighting monsters across segmented areas um, and, and call it Monster Hunter and, and stuff like that. So I just find it, it's a very interesting game in how well it knits into Capcom's uh, whole library around that time. Mm. That's very that's very true. It is a strange one because it, all of that is the case uh, and yet I'm sure there are many people that aren't aware of it, haven't played it. It's very much overlooked, like I said at the beginning of the show. Um, I hadn't thought about it from a Monster Hunt perspective, Monster Hunter perspective, but you're not wrong, definitely. Whereas the original Dino Crisis, a lot of it was about running away from that T-Rex. Um, you can face some particularly large dinosaurs just randomly in the sort of uh, just room-to-room experience of Dino Crisis 2. I don't know if... I think it, they're the Allosaurus or something like that. Just... By the, there's one by the dock and they're just there they're, yeah, they're just plonked in there as normal dinosaurs and now reading the file superintendent's will from dino crisis 2 lawrence knott who you can find at the resident evil collective over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash resident evil collective i knew it would all come to this there's no way humans and dinosaurs could ever coexist. But if we sacrifice our lives now, we would leave a chance for the existence of the human race. The irony is that this whole facility which we are trapped in was built to sustain a suitable environment for the dinosaurs. I'm the superintendent of the facility, and I'm the only one left. I don't belong here. There's no future for this world. The children hurt by the dinosaurs have been put inside life support chambers. I trust that the people of the past will take care of them. The life support chambers are almighty. They should be able to heal any wound, no matter how critical it may be. Also, the life support chambers will feed knowledge and teach them about this world. However, the chambers were originally designed for the growth of dinosaurs. Thus, the knowledge fed will be limited to the knowledge of coexisting with the dinosaurs. The tragedy is that the children will eventually lose their speaking ability. But instead, they will have been input with instincts to protect the dinosaurs. Today, I've recorded my message for the man who will definitely come here. With this, I have nothing to regret. The enemy variety in this game, while I'm on it as well, it was really cool to see uh, flying enemies, water enemies for the first time in Dino Crisis wasn't uh, a thing in the first game. Even if <laughs> my favourite part of the game uh, is just the part where they're all completely useless and you just rack up loads of points. <laughs> on <laughs> just, the dock, yeah, we just belt just, them. Yeah. yeah, just getting like combos of 12 or something in every room, just... Yeah, that's good fun, isn't it? <laughs> like whack-a-mole with an assault rifle, it's really... <laughs> Exactly. Um, Whack-a-mole, but it's in like default mode, so they're all up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like this is the easiest whack-a-mole. 
it's like two or three bullets per thing, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, at, at that point, I was like, oh, I've misspent my money on some things. I should really have some better weapons for Regina. Um, and that appropriately came along, uh, which allowed me to get, I guess it's like the assault rifle at that point or whatever, um, whatever her fully automatic is. So cleaned out a few of them and then just sat there blasting them all away and like, yeah, two, sh- two assault rifle shots, something like that. <laughs> Great stuff. That is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> The sound is sort of like forever burned into my mind now. Which the only other thing that I wanted to cover as well as the sound design in this game. We talked about the music a bit, but uh, um, Steve, how do you feel about the sound design? Uh, solid. Really, really solid. All of mm. the guns have a unique little thump and kick to them. They all feel like they have a, the right level of like giving off their power, their emphasis, except maybe the, as I see it now, solid cannon. <laughs> which is not a solid nor a cannon. It's a Tesla ball. It's just... You know. <laughs> Yeah, all of them like really impressive. I still think the standouts, obviously, the dinosaurs, the mm. the pterodactyls, or however you pronounce it, are still burning to my memory because they are right, squarely painted the bum to hit, mm. and they forever rob me of my no damage bonus. Those fiends. Yeah, they're they're a real pain, definitely. Yeah, um, but no, I, I I actually think it's probably one of the stronger efforts. You know, when you look at from the the timeline of Capcom games to this point. Um, I think it will get supplanted by the likes of like RE4 and whatnot, but mm. compared to its PS1 predecessors, I actually think it may blow the rest out of the water. Maybe yeah. not Nemesis, maybe not Nemesis, but mm. you know the actual. Yeah, it's it's pretty strong. I was because uh, I've never played this until now. This was uh, a strange experience for me because I felt that there was a lot of nostalgia in this for me. Those sort of like chunky PS1 sound effects. I don't know if they were directly ripped from Resident Evil, but a lot of like the footsteps um, were just very like the clunking on metal footsteps. That was felt very Resident Evil. So there was some serious nostalgia going on for me. And some mm. of the alarm sounds that you get in some of the facilities, I'm fairly sure are just ripped directly from the same sound package that Resident Evil used. Um, yeah, the the big siren ones at the start or near the start, they remake one, which means they this is technically yes. their first Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a resi fact actually, for you. Actually, <laughs> uh, actually the remake you one siren, the Crisis 2 siren, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, definitely. Jordan, how did you feel about the sound? Did you did you pick up any sound effects or was it just all drowned in the arcade music you had playing? <laughs> No, I was I was still able to hear the sound effects uh, to some to some extent. I, I mean, uh, there wasn't there wasn't anything that particularly sounded generic or anything like that. But mm. as as you say, it, it is limited from the sort of the, the generation that it that it came out in. Um, but the the sounds were otherwise you know perfectly serviceable. Um, I can just only imagine what kind of uh, sound effects they might have, say, if you were to remake the game now um, and the way that they kind of could direct it, uh, you know, with a wealth of kind of Foley effects that you could use to just add a whole lot more ambience to places like the jungle and the, and the fiddle facilities mm. and that. I mean, yeah, it's like, fine. There's still a few, you know, in those quiet sections I mentioned earlier, there is like, you do get the, the full on like jungle ambience going on and you can hear stuff rustling around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to say this because you clearly had like your know, your favorite like Nintendo dance album on while you were playing. <laughs> <laughs> the only sound effect no. I I didn't like. There's one you're speaking about atmospheric noises in Edward City. Um, there's these little raptors, and I think you can also hear them in the background beforehand. But when you kill them, especially, they sound more like chimps than they do dinosaurs. Has to be said. <laughs> very 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 weird. 
there's, there's like the dragonfly. I think it's the dragonflies in in Banjo Kazooie, which are like <laughs> you knock them out and they sound like chimpanzees. It's really weird. Like I know that okay, dinosaur noises don't exist, so we're gonna have to rip them from somewhere. And obviously, in films and stuff, like when you got Chewbacca, it's like a combination of like gorilla noises and tiger noises and all that stuff. These they just they just took monkey noises. I swear they didn't do anything with them. <laughs> you mean the spitting raptors, right? So yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I love him as an enemy, but I could totally agree. <laughs> but you know what? Completely legit tactic, because I know Lord of the Rings used all kinds of different animals to try and, you know, make a sound for a cave troll or something like that. So maybe yeah. that's what they were going for. But yeah, if it's dis- if it's distinctly sounds like a monkey, it's going to throw you off. Yeah, you have to take the sounds and do something with them, like combine them or chop them up or yeah, whatever. Don't exactly. just take a monkey noise and go, it's a dinosaur now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's... Um... Diplodocus-looking things. I, yeah. I, I assume they're dipped. Yeah, but uh, they sound like dying whales. Yes. You know, uh, yeah. they, just, they are just random animal sound effects. They're that just... one feels a bit more appropriate, at least. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know, Sai? They might have meowed. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. We, you know, Dino Crisis Two. I like the aesthetic, but none of them have feathers, so it's not legit. <laughs> this is true. This is why we need a Revelation Three Dino Crisis. Gosh darn it! Is, is there is there a particular point in which sort of the you know feather feathered dinosaurs sort of entered the the knowledge base? Because I know it was kind of like like around the time of uh, Jurassic Park, it wasn't really that well known. Mm. I remember hearing. So I don't it. know. I think I remember hearing it around the time of something like Jurassic Park three. Perhaps people were more talking about it, but at that point, right. everyone just kind of went meh. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, yeah, we're used to how these look now. We've got the toys. So. <laughs> I mean, That's they've right. got the cop out of the DNA from frogs and stuff there, haven't they? Well, uh, yeah. 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 Mm. It's, I mean, you can forgive it. It's an established franchise with its own history. They're suddenly going to have to try and explain feathers. So, Hypothetically, if there were a Dino Crisis 3, what, is that why this hypothetical version of Dino Crisis 3 went with weird space zombie dinosaurs? <laughs> Dino Crisis 3? I, I can't believe no, wait, that. No, wait, what am I on about? That would never happen. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Dino Crisis in Space, what a peculiarly strange idea. You know, that would be bigger than Resident Evil by now <laughs> if they released Dino Crisis 3. We, we, this would be the main podcast. You know, the, <laughs> the worst part is, is when this turns up on the poll eventually, you know it's going to win now. <laughs> <laughs> Dino Crisis Three, but it doesn't ha- it doesn't right. exist. So I mean, no, I, hate, very, very, I hate to tell it's you, very it's very simple way. It's a very simple way of just doing that. Just don't put it on the poll, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, that that's fair enough, and I'll burn my copy too. <laughs> what you've got a copy of Dino Crisis Three? I have no idea where it came from, but it's on my shelf, and I've never played it because it was never ported to future Xbox consoles. You have to get an original Xbox to play it, and that's been in the loft in my parents' house for the longest time. Um, wow. So technically, I can get it out and play it at some point. Whether or not I yeah. want to is a different matter. Yeah, I got the I got the original Xbox. It's it's right here, but you're not you're not gonna get me to play it. So <laughs> <laughs> you two can do that podcast by yourself, boys. Yeah. I'll, I'll just play Dino Crisis Two again. And <laughs> you wonder why all of my answers sound the same. <laughs> so while we're in a bit of a uh, wacky tangent, can I ask? Did Dino Crisis 2 have any kind of, like, split in the fan base? I know 3 is obviously 
despite the fact it doesn't exist, is apparently mm. a bit of a unpopular child. Did two ever have like? Because I mean, as we've said, it's a massive departure from the first. See, I've always wondered the same thing, and obviously, when we talked about Dino Crisis One and we talked about Dino Crisis Two at the end of that episode, Sherwin was staunchly Dino Crisis One because the survival horror experience is definitely his style. So you've got to imagine there's plenty more people out there uh, that yeah. felt the same way. I'm sure there are, uh, as opposed to the three of us who have gone, well, actually, <laughs> I prefer it's, this. Um, it's dumb fun. You know? It's big dumb fun. In terms of uh, reception at the time, like Famitsu gave it 32 out of 40. It's got 5 out of 5 with GamePro. GameSpot gave it 9.2 out of 10. The IGN gave it 9.3 out of 10. So those are glowingly positive reviews. Um, so commercially, yeah. So, so you'd have to dig into the Dino Crisis fan base, but I'd actually love to hear uh, everyone's what your reactions were to Dino Crisis Two. All of you guys out there listening, tyrant or otherwise, let us know because uh, I'm I was also very curious about that as well. I throw in a question here: If they were to make make a Dino Crisis Three, no, if they were to <laughs> bring back Dino Crisis um, in a in a significant way. Um, not talking mobile games or whatever you, but but actually a new installment. Would you rather they go back to survival horror, or would you ra- would you rather they adopt it more as an action franchise and go with Dino Crisis Two? See, that is a, a really good question that I'm glad you asked because a lot of people are still asking for this Dino Crisis remake, uh, and they're they're in they're entitled to that opinion and that desire. But for me, uh you know, that's it's weird because it's not like that's one in a series of similar Dino Crisis game. Like that's very separate. I imagine that if there was a Dino Crisis three, it would be more like Dino Crisis two. They're not going to suddenly flip back to horror. So the original Dino Crisis is probably going to be very separate from the other games in the series. So it seems strange that they would remake it. And to that end, I would it would be very strange if they went back to a horror thing. So. Especially with the success of Resident Evil going back in more of a horror direction. I actually would expect if Capcom ever wanted to bring back Dino Crisis, it would be more action focused. But uh, yeah, Steve, how do, how, how do you feel about that? Well, if I had to be like, considering the nature of like, this is a very, very strange creature with so many different parts that shouldn't work together that would be used in later games. I kind of feel like if we ever got a hypothetical Dino Crisis remake or Dino Crisis reboot, they should probably go the same way. They should like go, right, all these mechanics we're not sure about. Mm. Let's cobble them together and throw dinosaurs in it and see what happens. Because <laughs> I, this this has been a, bl- a blast. You know, it, it, the the melting pot of random stuff, it, it somehow works. And I feel like this is a great way to do it. Because you can't really say Dino Crisis has that much of a solid identity outside of Regina and Dinosaur. Because the mechanics between all three of the games mm. are very different. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, that is that is fair. It, it, I don't know about what Dino Crisis 3 gameplay consists of. I don't really know what Dino Stalker, which is also part of the Dino Crisis, is like. Uh, but it does seem to be the franchise, or it was the franchise at the time, where they were just trying stuff out. Um, so if they're going to bring it back, should be for that reason. It should be the experimental mm. franchise. 
Yeah, it's a tough call for me because of the the time that we're talking about this right now. Mm. I mean, there's plenty of series where they've had kind of, you know, you have your first entry and then your second entry and they're, they're wildly different. You know, Legend of Zelda is a really good example of that. Mm. Um, I, you know, I remember, like, you know, one of my favorite games, Act Razor, when that got a sequel. Um, orig- originally, it was an it was top you know top down RTS slash side scrolling action hybrid. When they came out with the sequel, it was just a side scrolling action hybrid. It wasn't received as well because it kind of lost some of its identity. Mm. That's not the case here with Dino Crisis. It's almost a new identity yes. uh, that it takes on in the second game. So originally, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, well, considering considering the market that that Capcom has. You know, Resident Evil certainly has um, you know enough visibility with all of its types of games that maybe it would want to branch out into more action. That said, survival horror is in such a good place right now mm. that you could make uh, you know a, a Dino Crisis survival horror once again, and there's so many different ways you could go with it. You know, w- you know, would you take it the kind of Remake two, remake three style, you know, slightly over the shoulder. Or, you know, you could go first person, which is a bit like Resident Evil Seven or um, uh, the the Alien the Alien game. Um, it, there's so many possibilities for the game, and and obviously it depends on how people would sort of, you know, react to dinosaurs because obviously it was following on from the success of Resident Evil at the time. Therefore, it made perfect sense for Dino Crisis One to to ape off a lot mm. of that design but you're replacing zombies with dinosaurs and that's a very different flavor of enemy and so it made a lot of sense to kind of shift to an action style frankly i'd love to see both i know just getting one of those games is currently not looking like it's going to happen um but you know we'll hold out hope but that's what i would that you know i'd, I'd like to i'd like to see them try out both yeah Never say never is really what it comes down to. But. Yeah. I mean, we've got RE2 Remake. You know, anything's possible at this point, right? Precisely, yeah. And, I mean, to that end, a really dark horror game. I mean, you said Alien Isolation kind of made my eyes light up. Just imagining something with that kind of atmosphere, but being slowly chased by a huge T-Rex. That sounds pretty cool as well, to be fair. Um, I think whatever happens, um, if there's a new installment, even if there's a remake and they go a completely different, because it's not going to be about, if there ever is a Dino Crisis remake, I really expect it not to be one-to-one. It's not going to be like the Resident Evil remake. Uh, It probably will be a big gameplay shift, even if it uh, constitutes a remake in the way that it follows the style and the story. Uh, Gameplay-wise, I expect it to be different. Um, At least 500 DDKs. (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> right exactly uh, downloadable ddks as well <laughs> <laughs> buy it from best buy get another hundred on top of that you know <laughs> <laughs> all right well although let- if they did remake dino crisis one there mm. would inexplicably be like a human nose on the front of the t-rex <laughs> really ruin the design you know <laughs> Yeah, I really think it brings it all together, you know, a nose. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's go around the room then um, and sum up Dino Crisis 2 and our feelings on it. Um, uh, Jordan, how do you feel about Dino Crisis 2? As we led in, you said you uh, you found it way more interesting from the get-go. I'm guessing that's still true. Yes, absolutely recommend it. To anyone who can get their hands on it, I don't think it's as easy to get a hold of, mm. um, you know, like a, a, officially. 
these days because it's not really available digitally widespread. Like I say, North American PSN store if you if you if you really want to try it out. But because of how quickly you can get into it, it is it is a great purchase. Yeah, it's it gets fun really quick. Uh, Steve, how do you feel about Dino Crisis Two as a whole? Okay, as a whole, fantastic, phenomenal game. The 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 minor the, the minor problems I have with it are simply the case of during the general gameplay loop, enemies can spawn literally behind you off screen, and mm. they can hit you, and it really does kind of grind my gears after a while. That and the airborne ones. Otherwise, it's it's basically playing a uh, fixed ca- a fixed camera version of Doom with dinosaurs. You can't really go wrong. <laughs> Actually, oh, yeah. Doom with dinosaurs. I'm just thinking of Doom Eternal, but with dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> There's your dinosaurs. 200 round shotgun, guys. 200 round <laughs> shotgun, okay? Punching a T-Rex in the face. Amazing. <laughs> And uh, so I said at the beginning there, when we did our Dino Crisis 1 episode, I defaulted to Dino Crisis 1 as my favourite, because it's the only one I'd play. Instantly changed my mind when I played Dino Crisis 2. I got the hype. It's So for me, it just... It, I mean, the games are obviously quite hard to compare because they are completely different genres. But what it comes right down to for me is Dino Crisis 2 succeeds in making its concepts more interesting and more enjoyable. Whereas Dino Crisis, it, it was... Cool to see it try some things, and it didn't always pan out. <coughs> Sorry, it, it was so for Dino Crisis One. It was cool to see them try some things, and it didn't always pan out for me. It didn't always quite land in the way that Dino Crisis Two uh, does. It, it gets more success out of the more things it tries. Um, yeah, it was just very exciting. It just felt way more alive as well, which was would definitely help to keep me engaged. Um, so yeah, I've hopped the fence now. Uh, and Dino Crisis 2 is my preferred one. And we'll see how we feel when we get to the next one. <laughs> I get a little bit, yeah. Dino Crisis 2 is still king, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I expect so. No, I was going to say, it really is like a breakneck train that if you if you start, you can't stop. It's you, you, You're Pringles. You're eating cookies. You're just going straight through it. You can't. That is, it. yeah, it is. It, that's, <laughs> Dino Crisis 2 is Pringles. <laughs> Yeah. Dino Crisis 2 is a Pringles train, apparently. Yes. <laughs> I got it really early for this podcast, everybody. <laughs> well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors and our Patreons once again. Support the show for as little as $1 a month to help us create more bonus content like this one over at patreon.com forward slash pod. You can also join our Discord server where you can discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans and listen to the main show live as it's being recorded. The link to the server is in the description of this podcast and also on our social media profiles. You can follow us on Twitter at FASpraypod, on Instagram at FA Spray Pod and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash FA Spray Pod. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us an iTunes review if you can. It helps spread the word. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Sinaiac underscore one two three. Steve is at Firebutton Games, and Jordan is at Serialbox64. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. Oh man, f- we didn't cover the f- mini game, the, the side games in Dino Crisis. Oh well. The kind of crap. 
Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I didn't play them. Uh, there's, a, there's a very weak fighting game with dinosaurs, and then there's basically a horde battle game in a 3D environment. Right, Did you well, ever see um, 1.5's development stuff, Si? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the fan stuff with the, the Battle Coliseum? Mm-hmm. Basically that. Oh, okay. Well, consider it covered then. <laughs> oh, right, okay. A... You're sticking it in there. Yep. In it goes. <laughs> it's a PS1 in. era thing, isn't it? Like, all the mini games and stuff like that. Because, yeah. I mean, Metal Gear Solid was the same with its, like, VR missions and stuff. And... Metal Gear Solid has, like, mini side mini games. Well, it has yeah. it has like the VR it has a VR missions and stuff like that. Mm. You 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 played them at VR missions, right? I've not played Metal Gear Solid. What? What? <laughs> I literally just I literally just dropped a piece of paper to the floor. Like, as it, like I I threw it away. What? I played MGS three. Who have I been talking to? <laughs> NPC two has crap music. I've never played MGS one. That... <laughs> This is stuff. This is stuff you're supposed to say to me at the at the start of the conversation. <laughs> oh my goodness! 